Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Pete is in New York, and so he's with his daughter. She's graduating, and so it's a beautiful time for his family, amen? So we're very happy for him and his family. We celebrate them. And so it's my, uh, my honor to be here with you guys today and share the word. Now, he told me not to continue on John. That's his book, right? He has to finish the series. And so he told me to preach on whatever I want. And so, you know, started praying and meditating. And um, uh, I, I believe I have a, a word that would really encourage us today. Um, and so I'm excited to preach it with you guys. Can you guys pray with me as we start and pray for me? My first time here, I'm from LA, I'm in San Diego, and I want to say thank you to everybody. Um, you guys have made me and my family feel so welcome as we came to San Diego. We were so hesitant. We've only, we, we only went once a year to San Diego to go to the beach, to, to be tourists, until I came to the actual San Diego, and yeah, there's not all beaches, right? I ended up in Encanto, I got lost, and uh, <laughs> I've shared this story with a few people. But there is a, there's something about San Diego for some reason that I started falling in love with San Diego. I've been here two months, but I believe it's because God has us here for a reason. And so I love you guys. And so if you guys can pray with me, pray for me, and we'll be sharing the word today. Father, thank you so much, God, for this time and for this privilege you give me to share your word, Father God. Lord, I believe that it is you who makes the change and the transformations in our lives. It is only you who, who has the power to save and so, God, I am just the vest, so I just pray, Lord, that you may take over, uh, take control, and just speak to our lives today through your word. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know about you guys, but I love to watch movies. Uh, they're not of the devil. You can watch movies. Um, how many have seen the movie The Gladiator? I love that movie. The Gladiator, uh, the movie 300, right? Now, that's back in the day. Some of you guys probably don't remember. Some of you guys do. But that, those movies were so inspiring. And when I would see those movies and watch them, you know, I would, like, come out of that movie and wanted to be a gladiator, but without the six-pack, right? So you get excited, and years later, I still don't have that six-pack, but I'm still a gladiator. And I only have one sibling, my, my sister. And so we would fight after seeing a movie like that. You get inspired, so I pillow... I got her so hard, uh, but she got stronger, and she grew up, and she having a brother, you know, she was one of the strongest girls I ever met, um, but there's something about watching a movie that inspires you. When Need for Speed came out, everybody was out there trying to race, and unfortunately, a lot of accidents happened, but there's something about a movie that inspires you to take action, and it is my hopes today as we read the book of 2 Samuel, and we look at the title of the message, Lessons from David's Mighty Men. And as we look at these warriors, I, I pray that we are inspired to fight the good fight of faith. We are in a battle every day. Amen? We have battles, spiritual battles. And maybe you came today and you're not, you don't know the Lord yet and, and you're just here checking it out. Let me tell you, uh, you're in a battle too. And the battle is real. And my hopes today is that we can learn lessons from these mighty men of God um, that can inspire us to fight the good fight the right way. So we'll be in 2 Samuel today, chapter 23, and we're going to start off with verse 8. There are three mighty men that I want us to consider today, three uh, mighty men that stand out 
and it's going to be 8 through 17, verses 8 through 17. And so verse 8 is where we'll begin. I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. Praise God. So if you guys don't have your Bibles, you can see it up there. But verse 8, we're going to look at the first mighty man of David's army. And it says in verse 8, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. The first one is Josheb Bathshebeth, the Tachemnite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. That is amazing. The first man that we see is Josheb. Um, I'm going to keep it at Josheb because it's like a tongue twister. Josheb Bathshebeth, if I keep saying that. But Josheb... Um, he had a name. He was called Adino Esnite. Now, Adino is a spear. In the original language, means spear. And then Esnite is a strong spear. Now, I want you to picture this because the Bible has so many uh, real events that happen, which we see movies, and it's like, man, the Word of God has so much real, actual things that happen that are not only inspiring, but they're true. And this man of God, this man in the armies of David named Josheb, he killed hundreds of men with only his spear, his strong spear. Now, um, right here in verse 8, it says that it was 800 men. Um, many theologians believe that because 7 is the number of perfection and 8 is a surplus number, that is just meant to be an exaggeration and it's meant to be like he killed hundreds of men. So when you go to 1 Chronicles 11.10, the story comes out there again in 1 Chronicles 11.10, and it actually says the real number of men that he killed. He killed 300 men. That's still a lot, right? 300 men. So this one man with his strong spear killed hundreds of men. And as I look at this, I'm like, man, this seems impossible. 300 men with one spear? But I started to think, whose army is he in? He's in the army of the people of God who is the leader, King David, right? And King David was a man after God's own heart. And I started to realize we too can have victories that powerful when we understand that we are in a spiritual battle. But when we understand that what these men had was this part that the other armies didn't have, their strength came from the Lord. Amen. Their strength came from God. This is why they were able to do supernatural things like this and, and kill all these men, first of all, because they were brave, but second of all, because their strength, they knew where it came from, and it came from God. Psalms 91.7 says this. We're talking about David in Psalms 91.7. It says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. This was David. Now, it's funny, the title of this psalm it says, safety in abiding in the presence of God. How many are going to fight on his right hand? How many are going to fight, are going to fall on his left side? It, see, David understood that all this can happen. He can have all these victories because he always depended on God. Church, it is my, it, it, for the first uh, person that we're looking at, it is my, my hopes that we understand that if you're going to have victories in your life, you need to understand where the strength, the true strength comes from, and it comes from God. David faced the lion when he was young, and he defeated him with his bare hands. He, he faced the bear, and he defeated him with his bare hands. And this is a young kid. And then when he comes to Goliath, everybody was scared. But why wasn't David scared? 
because he knew who his God was. In church, I am convinced that there's many of us that sometimes when we want to fight our fights, we forget sometimes who our God is because we don't see him. That's why it's by faith and not by sight. Because we can face things and forget that he is greater than anything that we face. And, and David understood this. And so when he fought, he depended on God's strength. Psalms 28, 7. Says this. This is David as well. It says, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise him. You know what happens when you depend on God's strength? You have to praise him. You see, when you see God giving you victory after victory, when you see that he fights for you, you know what happens? What the result is praise. This is why you can lift your hands in church. It's because God took you out of something that nobody else could have helped you, but God has sustained you because our strength comes from the Lord. Praise comes out as a result of trusting in him. But see, when you, what follows is praise. When, you, when you're tired of fighting on your own, it's hard to praise him when you're tired. It's hard to praise God when you're feeling tired of fighting on your own. It's hard to raise your hands and praise him when you're emotionally, physically exhausted. And a lot of us are fighting strengths, um, sorry, fighting battles on our own. We're trying to do things like we can do this. You know, I, I got my degree, I can do this. Or you know what, I'm gonna say yes uh, a lot of times. Uh, I won't fall for this temptation. And you start trying to do it on your own strength. And guess what? After a while, it gets tiring. Man, I'm just going to tell my kids every morning, behave, behave. And you're hoping that because you're over here exuding all your strength upon your children, that, that you feel like, man, maybe this is going to work. And it gets tiring. And it's hard to praise God when you're fighting on your own strength. And a lot of times we don't see victories because it's us. But today, and my hope, as we see this strong man and the rest of these other two mighty men, that we understand there is only one key to their victory, and it is Jesus. It is their strength. It is the Lord. It is God who gives them that strength. You go to the bookstore. I like to go to Barnes & Noble. I always take uh, my wife. It just smells good, right? I got some Barnes & Noble fans. Hopefully, they don't close down. Um, and you walk into Barnes & Noble, you just smell those books. I don't know. I, I love books. Um, I didn't like, love them before I do now. But when you walk in there, man, you just smell the books and you get excited. And I notice that there's always a lot of people at the self-help section. One of the top selling books are self-help. Nothing wrong with them. It's just interesting that we go to the self-help when it's ourself that got us into trouble. <laughs> and the more we trust on ourselves, right? The, the, most, the more we trust on ourselves, guys, the reality is we keep failing because we are imperfect. We are humans. All of us here are imperfect. This is why we need his grace and his love. And it does get tiring, guys, to fight on your own. But when you learn to lean on the Lord, he will give you victory. I want us to go to verse 9 now and look at the second mighty man. The second mighty man in verse 9, it says, After him was Eliezer, Eliezer the son of Dodo, the Alhite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. I want to pause there for a moment. If we have any police officers here or if you know of a police officer, 
you know that when they go into law enforcement, they make an oath, right? And the oath is to protect and to serve. You're in the military, the army, you, you, you're there and you made an oath to fight for your country or you, you know, and, um, you know, praise God for those who have sacrificed on the lines of duty for us, right? For, for the nation and just, you know, they do it um, selflessly. And when I think about this guy, I want you to picture this. I mean, here's, here's, an, here's a battle and it says that the men of Israel, they all retreated. They all ran away. They all gave up. And, and, and I look at this and it just makes me think of how, uh, of how many people retreat. How many people run away when it gets tough? You know, I'm trying to read this and I'm trying to get these lessons for our walk with God so we can apply it to our life. And the reality is a lot of people, when times get tough, they run away. They fell one time or they make a mistake and they think it's over. So they run away. Uh, Having learned to rely on the grace of God that the Bible says seven times I'll fall, but seven times you'll lift me up. But instead, we sometimes, it becomes so difficult that we, that we run away. You know, growing up in a church where it was a, a, a very rigorous, very strict, uh, very legalistic. I know a lot of people in my generation, a lot of young people, I'm not young anymore, but in my generation, let's retract. A lot of people in my generation, even now, they've left the church because they made one mistake and they feel like it's over. What are people going to think if they see me? Like, oh my God, they, they know my parents or whatever that may be. And there's this shame. And so what happens is that instead of running to the one who can help you and lift you up, they retreat. They run away, and so they find themselves now in a situation that's very difficult because they've retreated. My prayer for number two, and my hopes is that as we look at Eliezer, that we may not be the ones to retreat, but we we may do what Eliezer did. In verse 10, look at his response. He arose. He arose and he attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to plunder. Man, when I see all these people running, I put myself in there. And and I mean, you got to see it in the spirit because there's people running away and there's people retreating. And I, I know many homes where the man has left the house and left the family with their children by themselves. I know many places where the woman has left or whatever that may be. And it's just people that get scared or if it gets hard, they run away. But guys, running away is not the answer. Eliezer stood there when people ran he stood firm and I believe God is looking for a people who understand that if you stand firm that's how you get the victory it's not your own strength standing firm doesn't mean you're putting your own effort but standing firm is saying Jesus I trust you God I trust you and even though it's hard and it seems like I'm gonna fail instead of running I'm gonna trust on you and he stood up and I love what it said because it says he, he grabbed onto the sword he grabbed on and he was whacking and whacking to the point where it says that he got stuck to his hand. He, he didn't give up. Times were tough. Yes, too many people were against him, but that didn't matter because he knew who was fighting for him. He grabbed onto that sword and it got stuck to him and he kept on going. He kept on whacking. And the Bible says the Lord, once again, not Eliezer, not his strength, not that he had a cool sword. No, the Lord brought about a great victory. But what did he do? He stood firm. He grabbed on to the sword. And I want to tell you, church, there's a reason God gave us this. And in Ephesians, it talks about the sword of the spirit. He gave you his word. So when things get tough, guess what? I'm going to grab onto the sword. I'm going to grab onto the word of God. So when the lies of the enemy come and he says that my kids will never do anything, I can say, devil, you're a liar because his word says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I'm going to grab on to the promises of God. That when I feel alone, I know that I'm not alone because Matthew 28 says, 
Behold, I shall never leave you nor forsake you. I will go with you into the ends of the earth. I can't listen to the lies. There's too many of them. Turn on the news. Turn on the radio. Look at what's going on on social media. There's a lot of lies. I don't have to have a six-pack. God still loves me. The devil is a liar. But I grab onto the sword. Because my identity is found in Jesus. My, my life is found in God. My, my, my family is in his hands. And so when I worry, I understand I'm human. And guys, we're going to have worry. But grab onto his word. That's why you come to church, you, you hear the word. This is why you go to discipleship and you just hear the word. Because we need his word. Amen. Grab onto his word. If you look at verse 11, we go to the third mighty man. Verse 11 says, and here's the third scenario. After him was a guy named Shammah. Now Shammah, he was the son of A.G., the Herite. And the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. What happened here is we see that the Philistines, the enemy, had gathered around the lentils, that ground that produced for them their sustenance, their provision, their food, their source of nutrients. I mean, their income. They sold the lentils. They ate the lentils. I mean, this was their ground. And here's the enemy around it. And people fled because they were scared. So the enemy is here stealing what belongs to them. Ain't that like the enemy to, to steal what belongs to us? The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, Jesus came to give us life. And life more abundant. And so the enemy comes and he tries to steal your joy. He'll try to steal your peace. He'll bring situations that are so difficult that it will cause you to, 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 to have fear. He'll steal your happiness. He tries to break families away, right? He came to kill, steal, and destroy. I get heartbroken when I see a lot of the young people nowadays feeling like they have no hope. Because the enemy has stolen their purpose and their joy. So young, and yet they consider, it's not, it's not worthy for me to live here. Why am I here? There's no purpose for me. You know, my, my wife um, spoke to a, a group of teenagers um, last weekend, and she was going to speak to middle schoolers and then to high schoolers. And so at one of the workshops, when she spoke to the middle schoolers, she was just going to do a little bit of a, una encuesta, how do you say it in English? Uh, a survey. And so he said, he said, I mean, my wife said, she's like, okay, how many of you guys have ever dealt with depression. She expected a couple of hands to go up. The whole room raised their hands. She said, she, it kind of broke her heart. She didn't expect that. She got a little sad. She's like, well, how many of you, these are 11, 12-year-old kids, 13 the most. How many of you have ever thought of suicide or have ever considered suicide or know somebody who has? Again, she expected a couple of hands. The whole room lifted their hands. She said she wanted to cry at the moment because these are young kids and I have, I, have a, I, have a, I have a 15 year old who's gonna be 16 this year. She's in the middle of high school, about to go to college. And I just think about these kids and I think about my daughter. I'm like, what is this generation going through? We can't even understand because growing up in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, it was a very different time than it is right now. Yet the enemy is still trying to kill, steal, and destroy this generation. Because I believe this generation has something special that God wants to use with them. And so the enemy is trying to kill it. And so the lies are coming. And so you know what? That, that broke her heart. And when she was sharing with me, it broke my heart because there's many people that the enemy has stolen their joy. 
And so for this third point, I want us to look at Shammah because in verse 11, we see that the people fled from the Philistines. But you see, these people, these people weren't the warriors. These people were the ones that lived there. Maybe they didn't have the capacity to fight like the, like the mighty men. And they ran away. But look at verse uh, 12. It says, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field. He defended it and he killed the Philistines. You see, the people fled. They had no choice. They would have died. They, they didn't know what to do. And so this, 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 here, here, here's what really spoke to my heart. This man stood up for the people that couldn't fight for themselves. Here's my third point. We got to fight for our people. See, he stood in the middle. He stood in the gap. He said, if they can't fight, I'm going to fight. And you know, you may have children. You may have family members. You may have coworkers that you see them in a situation where they can't fight on their own. But here what we, here's what we can do. We can bring them before the presence of God. We can pray for them. We can lift them. We can fight for them. We can give them words of encouragement. We can be there for them. We have to be here for our people. We have to fight for our people. Come on. We don't only fight for ourselves. We fight for our loved ones. We got to fight for those that can't fight. Maybe they're in a weaker stage. Maybe even your spouse is going through something. My wife prays for me. I pray for her because we never know in what situation we're in. But let me tell you, we fight for one another because sometimes I don't feel like praying. And here's my wife praying for me. And that's the beauty of praying. Like the Bible says to pray for one another because we got to stand in the middle for those who can't do it. We are a body of Christ. Come on, come on. Not too long ago uh, on Monday, just, just a couple of days, my daughter has a sister who is a couple years older than her, two years older. And, um, my, my, my daughter said, hey, my uh, sister's having a hard time. Can I go be with her? In, her? in her household from that side, she's the only believer, my daughter. She's the only one that believes in Jesus. And it's because I raised her and I was taking her to church and I taught her about the Lord. And so she said, hey, dad, can I go be with my sister? She's feeling down. And so she goes and I say, yeah, go ahead. It's a Monday. She goes. That night I go to sleep and around 1.49 in the morning, my phone rings. 1.49, who calls me at that time? I'm going to sleep by eight, nine. <laughs> but my phone rings and I answer and it's my daughter. And I answer the phone. Like, Sweetie, what happened? It's, it's 149. And my, my daughter tells me, crying, dad, dad, I'm in the emergency room. My sister tried to take her life. And it broke my heart to hear my, my daughter crying and, and, and so sad because of what's going on. But you know what she did? She called me and she said, can we fight for her? Can we pray for my sister. She's not responsive. She can't hear, but I'm going to put you on speaker, dad. Can you pray along with me and pray for my sister? Because maybe she'll be able to hear. Maybe God will hear if we, if we pray. And so that we, I got out of the bed. I prayed for my, my daughter's sister. And we prayed that night, the whole night. And, and I was worried. I went back to sleep, but I couldn't really sleep. And I was just thinking about, uh, about her. I know this, this young girl, Imelda. And so I, I prayed for her and I went the next day to visit her at the hospital. When I saw her, man, she was on tubes. She couldn't, she could, I mean, she's not responding. She's, you know, I told, I asked the nurses, is she going to be okay? They said, we don't want to say anything because we don't know. It doesn't look that good. And it was so hard to see my, my, my daughter, but she said, dad, can we pray again? And what we did is we kept on praying because there's one thing that I taught my daughter is baby, there is power in the name of Jesus. We're going to fight and we're going to pray. In that moment, she couldn't hear. She couldn't talk. She couldn't pray for herself. But here we were praying for her sister. 
Then I come on Wednesday to staff meeting with the leaders and the pastors, and, 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 I, and I bring it up. I say, hey, guys, I just want to share something that's going on. If you guys can help me pray, um, we can do it after or whatever. But in that moment, the whole staff said, and Pastor Pete was like, we're going to pray right now. And the staff in that moment, we stopped the meeting, and we prayed for her. Aren't you glad you're in a church that fights, that prays, that knows where their faith is in? So they prayed for her. And um, just want to give glory to God, but in, in that moment, um, it was beautiful. I went back home, and I went back to the hospital not too long ago. Um, I went back, was it yesterday? And I saw her. She's in a different room. She's breathing. She's responsive. And she can't talk. So, so she can't talk because the tube was in there. And so she, but I sat with her, and I grabbed her hand. I said, sweetie, you, you know you're still here. You're alive for a reason. And I, and I started to share the gospel with her. I said, God kept you alive for a reason. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And I started talking to her about Jesus. And I saw the tears running down her eyes. Which for me, it's a beautiful sign to know that God is working in her heart. But it was just beautiful to be able to share with somebody who could have died. But there was a body of Christ who fought for her. There is power in Jesus. And we had the opportunity to pray. Here's why I say this. Because what I was proud of was my daughter. And I was like, thank you, God, that maybe I've made my mistakes. As parents, we're not perfect. But if there's one thing I was able to instill in her is who to turn to when there's a problem. And it's God. We got to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. We got to fight for those. And the time is running, but I want to conclude with this. If you look at verse 13 through 17, verse 13 through 17 talks about these last final feats. They did a lot, these mighty men. But this is where from 13 to 17, we end with the mighty men. Verse 13 says, Then the three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines. They drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. I mean, they they were just brave. Uh, David didn't ask them to go. These men heard. Now, there was 30 30 30 chief officers there. But these three uh, mighty men, as we have seen, have a special trait. They were brave. They were courage. And when they heard, David was just thinking out loud. He's like, hey, I'm thirsty. Man, I wish I can have water from that gate of Bethlehem from that side. Now, in order to get to that side, you have to go through the Philistines. And so when, they, when, when these three men heard that, they didn't hesitate. They got up and they put their lives in danger to go all the way over there to get the water for David. They made it. They came back alive. They were able to give this water to David, but David couldn't drink it. You see, because David knows what it is to be in the battle. He knows what it is to risk your life, to almost die. He had people that were following him. There was Saul and his army who was trying to kill David at one point. 
So he understood the, the, the dangers of battle. And so he couldn't do that because he didn't take advantage of them. You see, a good leader leads by example and doesn't take advantage of people. This is why I love this church. Because all the leaders love you so much. And, and, and I'm living that. I know what it is to be in an environment as well where they take advantage. But God is so good. And so these men, they, they, they stepped out in bravery. They stepped out and did something that was amazing. They stepped out just because they wanted to serve their people and they wanted to serve the king. Man, sometimes it's hard for us to serve in the church just in little things that they ask us to do. Um, but I believe we are to serve sacrificially. We're supposed to serve and just give everything to the Lord, right? Um, Jesus washed the feet of his disciple. And he showed servant's leadership. That even if he was Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of God, he was still able to wash the feet and teach his disciples that we are to serve one another. And so it was beautiful just to see this image. But what caught my attention was verse 13. Because verse 13 says that three of the 30 chief men, so we're talking about the three mighty men, they went down and they came to David at the cave of Adullam. So the location to me is very interesting because where David was at and where these mighty men gathered, where these mighty men were, was a cave of Adullam. Now, we see this cave in 1 Samuel. Now, this gives us an insight to these courageous men. Now, these are men that you want to emulate, right? These are men that, wow, we can learn from. These are men that they're so exemplary in their bravery. I look at these mighty men, I'm like, wow. I can't be like that. You know, like, man, they're, they're, they're just so brave. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be like that. But then I read 1 Samuel 22. And you go back to where this, day, this cave comes up. 1 Samuel, sorry, 22. And look at what verse 1 and 2 say. And just so you know, this is where David gathered his army. This is where David developed the army, okay? David, therefore, departed from there. He escaped to the cave of Adullam. David was scared. David was weary. They were looking to kill him. And this is where he hid in the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard that he was there, they went down there to him. And everyone who was discontented I'm sorry, every, uh, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Wow. So I'm looking at these mighty men, and I realize these guys were in debt. These guys, these, these guys were distressed. They, they, they were discontented. These were not the most perfect men. But he gathered them right there in that cave of Adulam. And there's something beautiful to know that God can use anybody. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you came from. Here's what matters is where you're going. And when God has a hold of you, there is nothing that can stop you. He is greater that's in us than he that's in this world. So if you've came here with problems, if you've came here and you're like, man, I'm not the most qualified. Let me tell you, we have a God who qualifies the unqualified. We have a God who's powerful. In this cave, there was formed a group of people that were nobodies and became mighty men that we are now talking about today. That were the example, and guess what? That's me and you. 
doesn't matter where we came from. A lot of us, even if you have the degrees in the world or you have all the money, we still have moments where we feel like we're not worthy. We still have moments like, man, God, how, how can you use me? Or how can you ever take me out of this situation and make somebody out of me? Let me tell you why. Because when he has a hold of you, it's his spirit, not by might, nor by strength, but by his spirit, says the Lord. It is God who can take anybody. Why does he do it? Why does he do that? First Corinthians, and I end with this. First Corinthians, chapter one. Look at verse 27 through 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29, and then we'll look at verse 31. It says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh, that's me and you, that nobody, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 31, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Why does he choose broken people? Why does he choose anybody to glorify himself? For his glory. Why would he choose you? So you can be applauded, so you can look good. No, he chooses us so that his name can be glorified. This is why I love this church because it's so diverse. He can use all of us and his name will be glorified. Why do we do things? We do it for his glory. Make sure that everything we do is to point people towards Jesus because it's for his glory. There's a pastor that he was sharing that when he finished eating, and I'm done with this, he finished, uh, sorry, he finished preaching. That night he was hungry. So after, after service, he drove to the drive-thru because he was hungry. And as he was in the line of the drive-thru about to get a combo, he, he, he was hungry. He was there. He heard a knock. He heard a knock on his window. So he put his window down and there was this guy that startled him. And he said, can I have some money to eat? It was a homeless guy. And, and so he knocked, he put his window down. He's like, I don't have any money, but I can buy you some food. Wait for me over there and I'll go ahead and get you some food. The guy left. And so he's in the drive-thru and he, he, uh, he, he's next on the window. He orders his combo. He gets an extra one for the guy. Now he turns around to look for him and he wasn't there. So he drove a little bit more to the other side of the parking lot and there in the corner with his headlights, he can see that there was the man that had knocked on his window and he was sobbing with his face down in the corner. Now he didn't understand why. He, he grabbed the bag and uh, the bag of food and he went down from his car and he said, hey, I, I got you the food. Why are you crying? And he went to him with the, with the bag of food and he said, here's the food. Why are you crying? And the, and the man said, you don't understand. I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten for a couple of days. I was knocking to the people's windows, but nobody would. Some of them were scared. Some of them honked at me to leave. Some cussed me out. Some, they didn't, they didn't want to talk to me. And I was so hungry in that moment. I told God, look, I don't believe in you. But if you're real, I just want to eat something. And in that moment, I knocked on your window. And when you put your window down, you said that you were going to give me food. And I couldn't believe. And here you are right now with a bag of food. So I don't know about this God, but I want to know him. And this, he, 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 didn't know, he didn't know that. The person that he knocked on was a pastor. Because God doesn't make mistakes. Because he loves you. You don't do good things to feel good. You don't do good things for your name, for the selfie, for people to see what you're doing. You do good things for the glory of his name. You do good things because his name gets glorified. So in everything that we do, guys, 
in everything, let his name be glorified. Will you pray with me right there where you're at? We're going to conclude before we do communion. Father, we just thank you so much that God, that we know that we can depend on you. That we know, God, that our strength doesn't come from us, but that it comes only from you, God. And I pray that if anybody in this place is, is feeling like they're tired because they've been fighting on their own, that today they may just place their trust in you. That if they're tired, that they may just surrender and stop running and stop doing it on their own. That we may surrender to you and just say, Lord, you take care now of this situation. You take hold of this time. And we may surrender our lives to you. Father, I pray that we may find strength in you today. And God, that we, we pray that you may give us the fight to fight for those that can't fight for themselves, our family members, our spouses, our friends. Lord, we just pray for them right now in Jesus' name. God, that if there's anybody here that today wants to surrender their hearts to you, Lord, that you may tug at their hearts, that you may speak to them today, and that today they stop fighting on their own, that they may receive your strength, they may receive you, Jesus, in their hearts, and their life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.